From the All Indiana Podcast Network. The All Indiana Podcast Network. This is the News 8 Eight. Daily 8. Now all the latest news. Kylie Conway has all the news you need to know. And more. Please stand by. Now. Here's Wish TV's Kylie Conway. Hi, this is Kylie Conway, and this is the News 8 Daily 8 for Thursday, June 25th. The daily U.S. count of new coronavirus cases stood near an all-time high today. It is hovering close to the late April peak that marks some of the darkest and deadliest days of the crisis so far. According to a count kept by Johns Hopkins University, the 34,300 COVID-19 cases reported yesterday we're slightly fewer than the day before, but still close to the U.S. daily high of 36,400 from April. At the same time, the nation's daily death toll has continued to drop, an encouraging sign that may reflect the advent of new treatments, better efforts to prevent infections at nursing homes as well. After peaking at 2,200 on April 18th, the number is now about 600 a day. And here in Indiana, a slight spike in daily cases. State health officials confirmed 523 new positive cases today. That brings the total number of cases to more than 43,600. Nine more Hoosiers have died. The statewide death toll now stands at just fewer than 2,400. Charter schools in Marion County will start on schedule. Public schools here made that move yesterday. Told you about that here on the podcast. The city says each school is considering health and safety protocols and online options for some students. Students in Hamilton County will also go back to school on time. In today's announcement, leaders say students at Hamilton Southeastern, Carmel Clay, Noblesville, and Westfield Washington districts will have a few options. That includes both online and in-class learning. Students and staff will be asked to wear masks at times. More details will be released to families soon. A controversial policy within the Archdiocese of Indianapolis could potentially bar transgender students from Catholic schools in our area. There's frustration and anger mounting in the LGBTQ community because of this. News 8 got a hold of the document outlining the policy. It was signed into effect earlier this month on June 8th. On page 8, it states in part... Any student whose gender has been legally changed from their biological sex or who has chemically and or surgically altered their given biology may not be eligible for enrollment. Chris Paulson is CEO of the Indiana Youth Group. She told our David Williams that 32% of Indiana's LGBTQ youth identify as transgender or non-binary. On page six of the document, the policy states utilization of facilities, including restrooms and locker rooms, will align with the person's biological sex. And that student will be addressed by the name on their school registration and the pronoun correlating to their biological sex. In a statement, a spokesperson for the archdiocese said they welcome all students and families, adding, some students who attend the Archdiocese schools question their sexual identity, and we recognize that their struggles have a profound effect on their lives. The Archdiocese's goal is to always walk in accompaniment with young people and their families. Such accompaniment may result in the provision of resources, accommodations, and or other supports in alignment with church teaching. The policy recommends taking a prudent, careful approach on a case-by-case basis about sexual identity. Indianapolis Public School District representatives are hoping to implement a racial equity policy in the middle and high schools. In part, the policy will advocate for legislation that addresses topics like poverty, homelessness, and food insecurity. The school board is actually voting on the issue tonight. A plan to improve equity in the district has been in the works ever since current Superintendent Alicia Johnson took office. 
Board members, principals, teachers, they all started undergoing racial equity training several years ago. However, considering the conversation surrounding race and inequity happening across the country now, district representatives say right now is an ideal time to try to roll this out. As News 8's multicultural reporter Katira Winfrey reports today, 73% of the district's student population is black or Hispanic. They account for 79% of in-school suspension, 84% of out-of-school suspensions, and 86% of expulsions. The racial equity policy, if approved, would come in the form of a curriculum. And district leaders say it'll be a cultural change for the district and students. Separate from tonight's vote, the commissioner is in talks with the superintendent to roll out a plan that'll help educate students on their civil rights and how to advocate for themselves in and out of the classroom. The board meeting is scheduled to start at 6 o'clock tonight. And because of COVID-19 precautions, they are only allowing 50 people inside. The U.S. Labor Department reported today that nearly a third more Indiana workers filed initial unemployment claims last week compared to the previous week. The number of new claims totaled 31,885 during the week of June 20th compared to an adjusted number of 24,017 the week before. That's an increase of 7,868. And we do have an I-Team 8 piece to talk about today. Apparently millions of payments meant to stimulate the U.S. economy went to dead people. As Stephanie Zeppelin reports, the Government Accountability Office says those payments to the deceased totaled in the arena of $1.4 billion of coronavirus aid money. Stephanie read through the entire report today. GAO says this highlights a key issue in the government. The Internal Revenue Service has access to the Social Security Administration's full set of death records, but the Treasury Department does not. So they recommend the Treasury be given access to the death data to prevent the same thing from happening in the future. The IRS asked for money paid to the dead to be paid back, but legal experts say the government might not have the legal authority to force people to return that money. All this after the IRS started trying to get stimulus money back from people in prison. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of relief payments also went to people behind bars. The IRS does not know how many payments went to prisoners. Some states like Nevada have refused to release the numbers, citing an IRS request for confidentiality. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The World Health Organization has declared an end to the second deadliest Ebola outbreak in history. The virus killed 2,280 people in eastern Congo during the nearly two-year crisis, which was the first time an Ebola outbreak erupted in a conflict zone. Even with the emergence of two vaccines, the Ebola response was repeatedly challenged because of armed groups operating in the area and community mistrust of health workers. 
And back here at home, the owner of Shapiro's Deli, Brian Shapiro, has written a scathing letter to Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett demanding some action. Shapiro says the fallout from the downtown riots could have been avoided. He says Hogsett should have intervened much earlier in the riots by providing a safe place for demonstrators to gather. Shapiro has been involved with community organizations in Indianapolis for decades, and he wants someone from City Hall to offer a revitalization plan before it's too late. He says that people have been scared away from coming downtown now and businesses are really suffering. The race for the White House is heating up in critical battleground states today. Former Vice President Joe Biden was in Pennsylvania and President Trump was in Wisconsin. The president took both states in 2016 and will likely need them again if he hopes to win in November. A new Marquette University poll has Biden leading in Wisconsin with 49 percent of voter support to the president's 41 percent. Both men also are now tied in a new poll of Ohio voters, a state Trump won by eight points in last election. Some in the GOP now are encouraging the president to turn things around. This as the Biden campaign zeroes in on a key issue for many voters, health care. Pro-Biden Super PAC Priorities USA released a series of new healthcare-focused ads today in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. The ads are dropping as the Trump administration is taking steps to invalidate the Affordable Care Act, drawing a rebuke from Biden. As Biden looks to rebuild the former blue wall, President Trump is making every effort to hold on to the voters who delivered him to the Oval Office in 2016. And government watchdogs say President Trump's 4th of July gala in the nation's capital last year cost taxpayers more than $13 million twice as much as previous celebrations. Trump's desire to have Department of Defense military vehicles participate helped drive up that cost. That's according to the Government Accountability Office. The president's attendance also increased expenses. The report says that some other costs, such as for military flyovers of the National Mall, are not included in the estimate. Trump's military-focused Independence Day event went beyond the traditional concert and fireworks of years past. The GAO estimated that holiday celebrations from 2016 to 2018 cost from 6 to $7 million a year. A New York City judge has dismissed a claim by Donald Trump's brother that sought to halt the publication of a tell-all book by the president's niece. In a ruling handed down today, Judge Peter Kelly said the surrogate's court lacked jurisdiction in the case. Mary Trump is the daughter of Fred Trump Jr., the president's elder brother, who died in 1981. An online description of her book, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, says it reveals a nightmare of traumas, destructive relationships, and a tragic combination of neglect and abuse. The U.S. economy shrank at a 5% rate in the first quarter with a much worse decline expected in the current three-month economic period because of the coronavirus pandemic. The Commerce Department reported today that the decline in the gross domestic product, the total output of goods and services, in the January-March quarter was unchanged from the estimate made a month ago. That was the sharpest quarterly decline since an 8.4% fall in the fourth quarter of 2008 during the depths of the financial crisis. Orders to American factories for big-ticket goods rebounded last month, though, from a disastrous April and March as the U.S. economy began to slowly reopen. The Commerce Department said that orders for manufactured goods, meant to last at least three years, shot up 15.8% in May after plunging 18.1% in April and 16.7% in March. Economists expected a rebound, but the May increase was stronger than expected. A category that tracks business investment, orders for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, rose 2.3% after dropping 6.5% in April, excluding the transportation sector, which bounces around from month to month. Durable goods orders rose a more modest 4%.
The NFL has canceled the Hall of Fame game that traditionally opens the preseason and is delaying the 2020 induction ceremonies due to the coronavirus pandemic. It's according to two people with direct knowledge of the decision. The people spoke to the Associated Press on the condition of anonymity because the decision hasn't been publicly announced, though an announcement is expected later today. The August 6th game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers is the first on-field event the league has canceled during the pandemic. Ten men were scheduled to be enshrined in the Canton, Ohio Hall on August 8th. The hall has an increased class of 20 this year in commemoration of the NFL centennial. Australia and New Zealand will co-host the 2023 Women's World Cup. The island neighbors uh, has beaten Colombia 22-13 to in a vote by the FIFA Council. The expanded tournament will have 32 teams, eight more than the 2019 edition in France. It's expected to open in July 2023. The winning bid proposed 12 cities with seven in Australia and five in New Zealand. It includes the main stadium used for the 2000 Sydney Olympics. After a successful World Cup last year, FIFA wants the next women's tournament to further establish its independence from the men and show it is commercially attractive. Both Australia, the number seven ranked team in women's soccer, and number 23 New Zealand will qualify automatically for the tournament. One of Disney's most popular and recently problematic rides is getting a drastic makeover. Disney says Splash Mountain will be completely reimagined. The ride is based on the 1946 film Song of the South. The film has long been criticized for its stereotypical portrayals of African Americans. Soon, the ride will be rethemed to star characters from the 2009 film The Princess and the Frog. The changes will be implemented at both Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. Right now, the new ride is in the design phases. This has been your News 8 Daily 8 for Wish TV. I'm Kylie Conway, online at wishtv.com, and follow us on Facebook when you search Wish TV. Check out more podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now, now. at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Allindianapodcastnetwork.com.